Hi, everyone. It's Chuck, Liz and Sarah's producer, letting you know that we've decided to postpone the Happier in Hollywood meetup on March 22nd. We'll try again as soon as we can. And in the meantime, keep washing those hands and don't touch your face if that's possible. Enjoy the show. Oh, we just got an email that our meeting is going to be a Google Hangout meeting. That's weird. Maybe because of coronavirus? Like we're all going to only interact digitally from now on? Yeah, well, I guess good news is we only have to look good from the top up. It's a sweatpants. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about time blocking. What is it and should we be doing it? I am guessing the answer to that is a big yes. (laughs) And in our Hollywood Jobs segment, we'll talk to TV creative executive Karen Frost about how she made the jump from agency assistant to executive at a powerhouse Hollywood production company. And this week's Hollywood Hack will help you strengthen your connection with mentors. But first, an update. Okay, Sarah, in episode 146 in our Hits and Bombs segment, We gave a bomb to people who play music out loud when they hike Fryman Canyon. We encounter at least one of these people every time we're there. Every time. And our listener, Amanda, wrote in with a suggestion about how to handle this very annoying phenomenon. She said, Hi, Liz and Sarah. I just finished the podcast episode about obnoxious people listening to music at Fryman Canyon. I'm with you. That is so annoying. I have a suggestion. I'm not below being a little petty. Here is a link to wireless earbuds that are less than $6. I'd suggest ordering a couple pairs and keeping them in your backpack or whatever you take hiking with you. Then you can hand them out to those that clearly don't own a pair. (laughs) Hope that helps. Happy hiking. (laughs) Sarah, I love this idea, oh but I don't know if we have the stomach to actually pull it off. Oh, I mean, how amazing would that be, though? It would be, but <laughs> I just don't know about it. Maybe we should buy a pair. I'll put them in my little bag, okay. and then we'll see how we feel. Here's what would happen. We would be <laughs> we would be hiking up Ryman, like panting and sweating, and someone would do that, and I'd be like— Okay, Liz, do it. And you'd be like, no, you do it. Yes. No, you do it. And then no, they'd be yeah, gone. Yeah, they'd be long gone and we'd still yes. have them in our pockets. <laughs> or we'd be really aggressive. Yes. And, and rude and do it. And then like later that afternoon, <laughs> we'd go to a meeting and the person would be yes. sitting in the chair. That's what would happen. Oh, God. But anyway, Amanda, we love the idea. <laughs> yes. Okay, Liz, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. This week, it's time blocking. Yeah, Sarah, this is something you've been thinking about a lot because we have all of these different projects and you keep saying we need to time block so we prioritize what's important and don't get caught up in busy work. Yes, because... It is very easy to get sucked into busy work. So, for instance, we want to get our narrative fiction podcast in shape to produce. But because it's a longer-term project, it's easier to kind of push it off, push it off, whereas time blocking would help us not do that. Yeah. Now, I have to say, as we enter this discussion, for the record, I went online. I read a bunch of articles Uh and blog posts 
about time blocking, and I got completely overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> it is not something that would come naturally to me. It's like a lot of planning and writing down and color coding. Yes. Um, but we're going to talk about it. Often talking about something makes it less daunting. Yes. So we're going to discuss and see okay. if I come around to this notion. Okay. So what is time blocking? According to Rescue Time Blog, time blocking is the practice of planning out every moment of your day in advance and dedicating specific time blocks for certain tasks and responsibilities. So it's basically this theory that we all work constantly, um, especially now with being constantly connected to everyone through our phones and iPads and computers, but we only manage like one or two hours of actual deep thinking. But with time blocking, hopefully we can like eke out more time to think and be more productive. Yes. Now, real time blockers, they block out personal and work time. Yes. And then within that, you account for all the different types of work and, and personal. And we will talk about that. Mm -hmm. So what would our blocks be? Well, first of all, I want to say I am an advocate of uh, an altered version of time blocking. Okay. I don't think that, like, we should be like, okay, we will meet at this time every day and for 27 minutes do this and that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think just because of who we are and because of what we do, we need a certain amount of flexibility. Mm -hmm. But, okay, so our blocks, answering emails. Yes, that takes up a lot of our time. Oh, my God. Preparing for TV meetings, that's reading scripts or watching episodes of something um, that, you know, we need to watch. Talking about our point of view, going yes, into the meeting. Discussing, <laughs> discussing it. Yes. Actually going to meetings. Yes. And this being L.A., that can take up half a day. Yeah. Uh, work hikes, of course, which is my personal favorite block. Yes. We have already found it's very effective when we assign a work discussion topic to a hike. Yes. So we might say, let's meet tomorrow at 845, and we are going to talk about the meeting we have on Wednesday and what we want to say in that meeting, or we want to talk about a certain pitch or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, in focusing our hike, we really get a lot of work done. We really do. Working on Happier in Hollywood, that would be one block. Yes. All sort of different aspects, both mm -hmm. content for the show and merch and meetup, and are we doing another Happier in Hollywood, writer's retreat. Yes. All that sort of stuff. Yes. Then, of course, there's Working on the Malin Streak, which is our first narrative fiction podcast that we are in the process of writing. And even that, though, Sarah, breaks down into different aspects, breaking yeah. story, writing, researching. And, of course, we need time to rant about politics. Yeah, because we are going to do that. <laughs> we need to block out that time, maybe like with black squares. Yes. Well, and I think also if we knew that we had time set aside specifically for that, it wouldn't bleed over into everything else. Let's hope. Yes. And then, of course, there's, you know, personal stuff that people block out. Like the really intense time blockers block out like I shower from this time to this time. This is putting kids to bed. This is friends. This is, you know, every time. This is toothbrushing. <laughs> um, but we're we're focusing specifically on work. Yes. Although one thing we have been doing, Sarah, which is sort of our intuitive time blocking, 
personally is that we've been trying to schedule personal stuff at the same time. So, like, yes. I might go to the dentist while you're reading to Violet's class. Right. Um, we've been more conscious lately of trying to coordinate our personal stuff, which has worked very well. Definitely. Yes. So we're well on the way, Liz. Um, we're well on the way. So there are some suggestions um, when it comes to time blocking as I was doing all of this time blocking uh-huh. research. One thing we've mentioned is color coding, uh-huh. um, sort of having, you know, so th- I guess then you have one, you can easily identify it when you look at your calendar, but also it gives you a sense of your priorities and how much mm. time you have for each segment, each type of activity. We're very into color coding anyway because that's how we break stories on whiteboards. Everything, you know, we follow a story in red, we follow another story in green, et cetera. And it's super helpful when you're breaking stories. Super helpful. Now, they say also you should set aside time for both deep and shallow tasks. And that's sort of like what we talked about with time to answer emails and then time to, you know, write a pitch, which is a much deeper task. Yes, And then task batching. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, it seems obvious. It's just putting together similar types of tasks. Now, I think where it comes in is maybe we want to answer all emails, whether it's about the podcast or about scheduling, you know, a meeting at a production company at the same time. Mm -hmm. So even though they're different areas, the tasks are similar. So let's just get all of them done at once. Right. And then there's day theming. I've been a proponent of setting aside one day a week specifically to work on the fiction podcast. Yes. And um, I've always been like, oh, we can't do that. We don't have the time. It's not going to work. But I'm going to just say right now, let's try it. Okay. Let's see if it works. All right. We'll do it. This is the hard thing. I really do think some people have jobs and lives where uh, time blocking will work every day, all day. Mm -hmm. But our schedule really changes from day to day. And so I think... Maybe what we need to do is sort of look at our weekly schedule one week at a time Mm -hmm. and block that. Yes. And then know that, you know, most likely things will come up. Yes. And then we have to sort of shift everything. Yeah. Um, One thing I read is that when you start time blocking, you should allot four times more time than you think you should for a task, which was very interesting to me. Yes. Until you really know how long something takes, a Uh lot more time. People also said don't schedule every second. Like, there is transition time and, you know, don't Mm -hmm. get too overscheduled. And are you supposed to build in breaks and time off? Like, should we sort of schedule lunch as a work period or as a time off period? What's what's the break situation? Yeah, you are supposed to schedule breaks so we could decide ourselves whether we want lunch to be a break or sometimes we like to work on the podcast over lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe we can have both. But we should build in like a loop around the block. Yes. Yes. Okay. And Sarah, we there are so many apps out there for time blocking. I don't want to recommend one because we haven't actually used any of them. But if you look, clearly there are many, many apps to help one do this. Okay. And we will probably end up just doing it on the whiteboard in our office. Yes. 
Um, now, I noticed as I was doing this, this to me seems like something that would be very appealing for people who like bullet journaling. Yes. Because it's like writing things down and categorizing and prioritizing. Color coding. Color coding. It's pretty. So I think you'll like it more than I will. I will love it. I totally will. Okay. <laughs> well, we want to know, do you time block? Does it work? What tips do you have for us? Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we'll talk to creative executive Karen Frost. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it is time for the segment we call Name That Hollywood Job. Everybody knows about writers and directors and actors, but there are a lot of interesting and unusual jobs in Hollywood, and we talk about all of them. The Reverend Karen Frost is a TV creative executive at Juvie Productions, Viola Davis and Julius Tenen's production company, where she develops culturally specific TV content with marginalized characters at the center. She is the founder of Spirit Uncensored, an interfaith organization that teaches love as a religion. She was the keynote speaker for Dyke March in 2019 and previously co-hosted the comedy podcast The Drunken Church Ladies with her wife of eight years. Karen, welcome. Thank you. So welcome. happy to be here, especially as a, a big fan of the podcast. I've been listening to it since the very first episode. Oh, so my goodness. It's so nice oh, to, be, to be here. Yes. Oh, that's so well, fun. We're thrilled to have you. And we have to start off with just a very basic question, which is, can you tell our listeners, what is a TV creative executive? That is the best question ever. <laughs> and honestly, I'm sure it's different from one place to the next. And what it is, is a whole lot of reading. Once mm. you make the announcement um, on Studio System, which is this huge database that says everyone's title and email address and contact info, once that that announcement is made, people sort of flood you with, read my writer. And so it's a lot of reading writers to determine who you feel like would be a good fit for your projects on top of that, of developing ideas for development TV, for TV shows. So it's hearing pitches. People come in and pitch us TV shows. Uh, in all honesty, my job as a creative exec at Juvie is not dramatically different from our head of TV. I literally do the same thing. He just does it a lot better than I am. He knows <laughs> what he's doing. He's been doing it for a long time, and I'm grateful to be in a position to be the right hand of my head of TV, the head of our department, so that I'm able to see 
everything that goes on in development. There are very few things that I don't go to. I get to sit in on pitch meetings at the networks. I don't talk. I'm not the person who does the preamble of this is what makes the show great and this is what connected us to it. Um, but I'm the person who's literally on the ground floor reading every draft of every um, pitch document or notes document, giving notes on everything. I, I'm involved in every piece. And the person you're talking about, the head of TV, is Andrew Wang. Yes, um, who we adore and who we've known, known for, for many years. Ever. And his hair is often very similar to our Silipine <laughs> travel cups. Yes, <laughs> it really is. It's it's a lavender yes, right, right now. now? <laughs> yes. Uh, I think when you all came in, it was hot pink and yeah. hot and like a neon yellow. Yes, yes. I'm like, I love his Instagram feed. So, Karen, before Juvie, you worked at an agency. And we talk a lot about starting an agency mailrooms. Was working at an agency helpful for you? How how did that all kind of evolve? The Taking the job at CA was literally the best thing that I had ever decided to do. I, I moved to L.A. in 2011, and everyone said you should get a job at an agency. And everyone who I talked to at an agency sounded like they were—it was horrific. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why would I willingly enter into a situation that sounds so horrific? There has to be another way. And so I got a job at a smaller agency, and it was in an unscripted desk. And so I kind of jumped from unscripted thing to unscripted thing, trying mm-hmm. to make my way to scripted— and it just wasn't happening. And um, I was an office PA on the show The Fosters and mm. tried to get a writer's PA job, writer's assistant job that had been coming open in the next season and didn't get it specifically because I didn't have writer's room experience. Mm. And I thought, you know, I just need to go into CAA. I've been avoiding this for a long time. Um, I tried, I would say, the first couple of years, and it was just it was hard to get into. But at that point, I'd had enough work experience that I knew they would at least let me in the door mm-hmm. for, for an interview. I had about five different interviews internally in the department and ended up at uh, an unscripted business affairs desk, which is was my last choice. Mm-hmm. Um, not only because like I was trying to get out of reality TV for a long time, but like reality and law, absolutely not something that I wanted to do. And uh, the person that I was going to work for had a notoriously challenging reputation. Yeah. Um, and so walking into a situation like that was something that I, I really didn't want to do. But in my interview, she said she acknowledged the fact that she'd had a challenging history with her assistants. And mm-hmm. she said, I realized that I can't put that on other people, that I have to put some of that responsibility of myself. And so my intention is to be a better manager than I've been before. And at that point, I had completed my ministerial program. And because wow. I was a minister, I felt like I can work with somebody who wants to do better. And it tr- it turned out to be the best experience I could have ever had. She completely transformed into somebody wow. that was oh just a, this bright source of light. And, you know, like Aww. CAA is known as like, well, not just CAA, but all the agencies are yeah. known as like these fear pits. And being somebody <laughs> that that shows up as light that that it's transformative. And th- that's what you all talk about here at Happy Year Hollywood is this idea of when you show up, recognize that you, it's a blessing to live the life that we live. When you have that mentality, people just kind of adapt around you. And so my boss was excited to see me and just things transformed in my row in a way that I had an experience that was really wonderful. And it's how I ended up at Juvie. I invited myself to somebody else's drinks and met somebody there. And when I was at my year, because the way it works is when you're there for a year, you can start either interviewing internally or externally or both. And so I was at my year, reached out to Juvie, and the rest is history. So do you think for 
young people coming to Hollywood, it is a good idea to work at an agency? It is the best idea, but it definitely requires a mental relationship to it. Like, mm-hmm. I had to talk myself into believing in myself every day of I can do this because it feels like the job itself feels impossible. There is an intense volume of work and you have to turn over things quickly. The amount of times that the phones are ringing and the emails are coming and I had to transcribe my boss's calls. So like the amount of the volume and pace that you have to work at is insane. But what it does is it makes it made me incredibly marketable that mm-hmm. having that skill set made it so that when I was at Juvie, my, my job I was originally an office manager there. And I was supporting five people. And I was able to balance five people's calendars very easily and well, right. just because of the demanding nature of that one desk that I had at CAA. Five people was a breeze compared to that. And I would imagine you make friends because you're sort of all in the foxhole together. Very much so. That that's a big part of it. And and honestly, the the woman of color hike that that I sort of inadvertently started came out of the fact that I just get an opportunity to connect with so many people. I always encourage people to do it specifically because you get to meet 200 people, around 200 of your colleagues at one time. And all of those people go off and do other things in the business. And they're, my colleagues, the people that I was assistants with are calling me now and pitching things. And we're all excited that we're officially grownups now mm-hmm. and, and get to work in this way. But, you know, you have that level of comfort when somebody's got a project that they want to pitch to me, having known me at CAA because we're in the trenches together just makes it that much easier. Yeah, so let's go back, actually, and talk about the Women of Color Hike and what it is and how it started, because it's so cool. Yeah. Um, so when I was living in West Hollywood, um, I, I just am busy. Once I started, I ended up starting a church as well. So like, I just am mm. ridiculously busy. And I felt like... Like you don't have enough to do. <laughs> <That's Yeah>. Right. <laughs> and so I felt like a hike was a great way to just kind of get my friends together that I haven't seen in a long time. And so we hosted breakfast at my place and then picked a Fryman Canyon, which I know you all familiar <laughs> with. Yes, um, fans. Because I lived on Laurel Canyon, so it was right up the street. And um, it just ended up being the people who RSVP'd were black women. And the black women said, hey, we should make this official. Like, let's make this a black woman hike. And so I we said, OK. And, and so we started doing like I just would say black women hike and um, send an email out. And then so at one point somebody said, we should make this official. And it was actually, I should say, Chella Sutton, who is um, a creative exec at Array. Her and I both got promoted around the same time mm. and had a joint celebration for our promotions. And uh, she she is somebody who makes things official. She made like made a fancy invitation and mm. created an email list and a database. And she said, we should make this a woman of color hike and invite um, Crystal Caicedo, who is an agent now at CAA at the time she was a coordinator, because she has is involved in the Latinx community. Let's make sure that this is diverse, as representative as possible and get the word out. So she made it official. I felt like I, I was not here for all of this officialness, but I will absolutely <laughs> show up. I will go on people's podcasts and talk about it. So that's essentially what I do. And um, it's the third Saturday of the month at 10 a.m. WOCHikes at gmail.com is how people can be can reach out to be added to the email list. And we just send an email saying where the hike is going to be that Saturday. It's so great because we always talk about networking mm-hmm. on this program, how important it is. And this is such a w- great way to like be healthy mm-hmm. and it's free and it's networking. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yes. And of course, there are a couple people I'm like, please be listing an email. Yes. It's yes. just such a good way to like 
you know, I mean, the networking thing is so important. It absolutely is. All right. Now, Karen, as a writer, of course, what I want to know is <laughs> what advice do you have? Because you're sitting on the other side of the couch, listening to writers pitch, meeting with writers. What advice do you have for aspiring writers when either they're coming just to meet with you for like a get to know you or pitching? Be yourself is the best advice I, I can ever give. Usually newbie writers have a tendency to feel like they have to pitch and they have to pitch formally and none of that at all is true. What we're looking for in a writer is, and as you know, working in rooms that you want somebody you want to be in a room with. So that's really what's most important is, is this somebody you want to spend an hour, eight hours, however long that you mm. have to spend time with them. And so it's for us that our general meetings are more of a, Andrew calls them like a first date. Mm -hmm. Like where we get a chance to figure out, like, do we connect? Do we click? And if we don't, that's fine. Like you can click with other production companies. You don't your intention shouldn't be to come in with a purpose of vibing with me per se. It's got to be you be you. We are us. Andrew's out there with his, with his wild color hair. Mm -hmm. And um, you, people just we just encourage them to be themselves completely because, I mean, that's you can't just shut yourself off for a moment. And, and the best way for us to get a sense of who someone is is by letting us in really authentically. And we really do this great job of creating the space for people to be themselves. I think it helps a lot that Andrew and I are both queer. Um, I often say that as a half black, half Jewish lesbian, like <laughs> inclusivity is so my jam. So <laughs> there's never going to be like someone who's who feels like they can't fit in with me just because of my whole intersectionality of identities to begin with. But it's really about it's about fit. And we always say if if something doesn't work out, you wouldn't have wanted to be there in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. This yeah. industry is filled with opportunities for rejection and failure. Literally, it's <laughs> why I became a minister. <sighs> so it, learning how to deal with the rejection is the most valuable asset anyone in this business can have. Yes. Okay. Speaking of learning to become a minister, tell us about Spirit Uncensored. So Spirit Uncensored started because once I was a minister at CAA, spiritual centers around L.A. just started calling me and saying, hey, will you speak on Sunday? And that was not at all what I had expected. It wasn't as mm -hmm. if I'd, you know, I, I'm in this business for a reason. It was never about trying to be a minister. <laughs> so I didn't realize that. I, I was even good at it or something that like that my name would be floating around throughout these spiritual centers. It's Centers for Spiritual Living is the name of the parent organization. And um, so I was speaking multiple places and my wife would create these graphics that would say, see Reverend Karen Frost speak at mm -hmm. such and such place and post it on Instagram. She created my Instagram profile mm -hmm. just for this reason. And um, around that time, like, people started asking me just because I'm out there in the business and working at CAA, where can I see you speak? And so I decided, especially once I started working for Viola, people really wanted to know where they can see me speak. And so I decided to create a monthly event just to answer that question. And my, I became a, a creative exec literally within two months of when Spirit Uncensored had started. And so the whole thing was just a whirlwind for me and had this sort of just personal realization, even though I didn't expect to be a minister. Really what I wanted to do in television was use TV as a medium to inspire positive change. And so I saw that what what ministry was doing is creating a platform for me to use my voice. And really, I've always wanted to be a writer. And part 
part of me thinks I was afraid to, mm. that based on how TV was designed, I'm a comedy writer, and it's just mm-hmm. not easy to break in. It was a very white male-dominated field, and I think I decided that it would be easier for me to change the system and go from the executive route than to try and be on the ground floor and developing those stories. But TV has changed a lot, and really yes. in the last yes. five years, but more substantially in the last two years. And mm-hmm. me talking about the intersectionality of my identity, people have leaned into who I am and want to hear what I have to say more in 2020 than any time in history. And so I'm sort of, I've just got this clarity of what what is next for me is to write. And so I've been taking meetings around this sample that, I, that I've written called Spiritual AF. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Kind of very, very loosely based on my my wife and going from there. Uh, which, I mean, it's a Hollywood story. Yep. You go from sort of being a minister, being an executive, being a writer, and it, but it all is leading you in the same direction. Yes. I mean, that's what I love. It's all yeah. about leaning into your skills and your identity and making the most of it. And having your very own personal individual journey. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And where can our listeners find you and it? Spirituncensored.org is our website. Uh, we are on Instagram. Um, I'm on everything. And we are held on the second Sunday of the month at 430 at the Ahia Center for Spiritual Living in Pasadena. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Karen. Yes. This was really fun. And you'll have to come back when you get your first writing job. And we'll yes. talk about that. I would love that. Thank you. Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood Hack, and it is Share Your Success. Yes, this came up recently in the most lovely way because we got an email from someone whose career we've taken an interest in. She has had a lot of really good stuff happen, and she emailed us about it. She shared it with us, and it made our day, made our week. It's making me happy again right now just talking about it. And in getting that email, we realized it's so nice to know that when you've offered help to someone and it's led to something good— yeah. Um, because it encourages us to want to help other people so more good things happen. And it makes us more invested in her career because we're like, oh, look at all these things happening. It's so exciting. Yes, we're already rooting for her. And now we're just like double rooting for her. And it's just nice to reach out when you don't need anything. Like often when we get emails, it's like, can you do this? Can you do that? Would you mind reaching out to this person? This was just like a sharing good news email. Yeah, it's just like, I want to give you an update on what's happened since we talked. And And um, we've been wondering also. So we were like, wondering. Sarah, in episode 142, we talked about Mm re-networking and why it's important to sort of keep up your contacts. This is a great way to re-network because as you said, you're not asking for anything. You're just sharing good news. Yes. And by the way, um, for anyone who's interested in hearing even more about networking, Gretchen and I talked to Jordan Harbinger from The Jordan Harbinger Show in episode 264 of Happier um, about tactics for successful networking. It's something that just keeps coming up again and again and again. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our wonderful guest, Karen Frost. 
Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. And thank you to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So, did you see Lisa Rinna this week? <laughs> no. We uh no, that's shocking. No. Shocking. Where She's, is she? She must be shooting somewhere. Yes. Or on vacation. No, no one's on vacation right now. Not with the coronavirus. <laughs> From the Onward Project.